Hey, hey, sisters. Welcome back to another episode here on the Intentional Mom Life with Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, and today we are kicking off this spring cleaning and decluttering series with our first expert, my new friend, Emily McDermott. She shares an amazing testimony about how simplicity became such a part of her life. She shares about biblical mindset behind simplicity, decluttering, all that jazz. She talks a little bit about the science behind some of it and leaves us walking away with some practical tips on how to get started. Are you overwhelmed by your never-ending to-do list? Are you tired of your schedule running you? Do you struggle to find balance or harmony between mom life and everything else that you have on your heart and on your plate? If you're here, you're likely a busy mama wearing multiple hats, the most important of which being child of God and mom simultaneously. You desire to live more intentionally, striving to be a good steward of all the gifts that God has given you, and you want more productively peaceful days. Welcome to the Intentional Mom Life with Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Star Robertson, Jesus freak, mom blessed by adoption, wife, Wonderluster, and your intentional living and biblical mindset coach. On this podcast, you will find abundant motherhood solutions that will set you free from the chaos, overwhelm, that never-ending to-do list, and help you create a schedule that actually works for you and your family. My mission is to help busy mamas just like you establish faithful foundations, live from purposeful priorities, and master your motherhood mindset. If you're here, you're ready to say yes to intentional, productive, and peaceful days in Jesus. So grab your cold brew and your planner or strap those kiddos into the car seat and let's jump into today's episode. Hello, sisters. We are here with Emily McDermott. She is a wife, mother of two energetic boys, I get that, (laughs) and simplicity seeker. She is also the host of the top 2% globally ranked podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm, where she helps moms declutter their homes, heads, and hearts. Emily enjoys writing poetry, dancing, and eating peanut butter out of the jar. Thank you so much for joining us today, Emily. Anything else you would like to add to that bio? Well, thank you so much for having me, Sasha. I'm excited to be here. I think the only other thing is just that you and I connected through podcasting and there's such an amazing community that we're a part of. And podcasting has just been a lot of fun. Like I have this wearable blanket I got for Christmas called a comfy. (laughs) If you don't know what it is, you check it out. It's really awesome. And I can just like be in my comfy clothes and reaching women all over the world to help them with this mission of, you know, decluttering. I just feel really blessed to be able to do that. So thank you again. I'm so glad that we connected and I'm happy to share whatever I can with your listeners. Yeah. I love podcasting too. It's my favorite because same thing. I just, I've got my pajama pants on right now. I've got my cozy little sweater here. and (laughs) It's just something I can do in the morning before my kids wake up while I have this quiet space and it's been such a joy. So I couldn't agree with you more. Emily, I know today we are talking about decluttering. You, I would say, are an expert (laughs) in this field. And uh, I know you have some history with this. We're going to talk about 
um, some biblical mindset behind it. We're going to talk about some of the science behind clutter. But first, would you mind telling us a little bit about your story and how you got started in this decluttering? I jumped on this train, right? And <laughs> and how that brought you to where you are today. Yeah, like so many things in our lives, we don't even know how we got here. Right? <laughs> if you would have told me growing up, I would be known for decluttering. I would have been like, really? Seriously? Um, but yeah, so my husband and I have been married for 14 years. And when we first got married, we wanted to just enjoy each other. And that was wonderful. And we thought, oh, maybe we want to have kids at some point. And in 2013, uh, we actually went through a very unexpected, you know, miscarriage. Luckily it was um, early on, but that was very, of course, devastating and scary, but it was more that we didn't realize that we were ready to have kids until we went through that. And then when we started actually trying to have kids, it wasn't happening. So we ended up being diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which is pretty much, there's nothing physically wrong with you. You just have a hard time conceiving. And at the time I was working full time. I was, you know, saying yes to all the obligations and everything that anyone ever asked of me. And I was very overwhelmed. And then we decided we were going to go through this pretty rigorous fertility treatment protocol where I was going to have to be doing daily injections and getting blood work done and everything like that. And I just realized that I didn't have the physical or emotional capacity to actually prepare for a baby, which I really felt like God had put on my heart to be a mother. And I knew it was going to happen one way or another. I had that faith. But it really was when I discovered decluttering and simplicity and minimalism that the light bulb went off. And I said, oh, if I am going to be able to conceive a child, I need to make that physical and emotional and mental space for that. And luckily, we were able to conceive my oldest um, via in vitro fertilization. And then God said, okay, we know, I know you can handle this. So I'm going to give you another one that you're not expecting. <laughs> So our youngest ended up being a surprise baby, call him our free baby, although I haven't told him that yet. <laughs> Someday I will. He's five. Um, but just, we were not expecting to have a second child without having to go through the whole process again. And then I had two under two. And so it was more the decision fatigue and the feeling like I could not handle what was going on. I had postpartum anxiety and so luckily the foundation of decluttering and simplicity that had really served me early on in my motherhood uh, really helped me. I always say simplicity is my sanity. So that has been really serving me through all my seasons of motherhood and beyond. So that's kind of how I got here. And now I have my, my podcast where I help other overwhelmed mamas do the same thing and kind of get through it like I have. <laughs> wow. What a story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, Emily, I don't know if you knew, but my husband and I have struggled with infertility for over a decade, have never mm -hmm. conceived naturally. So both of our boys have come to our family through adoption. Um, and, and so I feel that I hear, I hear you in your story. Uh, and one of the things that you said that I just love that really impacted me is how you had these 
uh, like systems and tools and and methods and and stuff in place through this like decluttering and minimalizing and simplicity that you had found you know prior to motherhood that when you came into motherhood and you were struggling with postpartum anxiety and and decision fatigue and all the other things those things were kind of like foundations for you they were already you know in place habits that that allowed it that transition to flow a little bit smoother something that you could could really grasp a hold on and uh, i'm a huge advocate for that you know getting a getting things in place especially when you know that a transition season is coming up because when you have them as habits when you have them established it's so much easier to just continue those you know very simple habits. I love your quote, simplicity is my sanity. That's amazing. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about simplicity? Because I feel like it's a very nice word. But when I think about simplicity, I'm like, but how do I do that in my life with two, you know, energetic boys? Yeah, no, I I totally get it. I actually had a little bit of a, I guess, revelation the other day that we think that our capacity to kind of handle the stuff that we have been entrusted with is based upon the confines of our house. Like what can our house hold? And that's how much stuff we have, right? And being a military spouse, although we've been permanently stationed here, but I talk to other military spouses and they're like, okay, well, I'm going to be moving in a couple of years. Like, what do I keep? What do I let go of? And that sort of thing. Cause you're in such vastly different housing. We don't think about our stuff or even what's on our calendar from the standpoint of what are we actually able to handle? What is our capacity for being able to manage our stuff? (laughs) So when it comes to our kids' toys, you know, depending on their age, of course, what is their capacity to be able to clean them up at the end of the day? What is our capacity to be able to handle our laundry? What is our capacity to be able to handle any of these things that are kind of the main categories of things around us? So simplicity, part of it for me is recognizing that capacity and not exceeding it and having the number of things that are in alignment with what matters to me and my values, but knowing that an excess of that is going to make things far far more complicated. Um, One example of this would be getting dressed in the morning a universal example for all of us. And if we go into our closet and we see a hundred pairs of pants and 50 shirts and, you know, 50 pairs of shoes, that's going to be a lot more choice and what's called choice overload than if I had 10 pairs of pants and five shirts and five pairs of shoes, it's just math. Right. And so when we're able to simplify, first of all, in the actual volume then we can more easily say, okay, so because I have less clothes, I can handle doing laundry every day, which is what I do. One of the systems that I swear by (laughs) because I'm able to have the capacity of, I only want to use one drying rack. I only want to use one bag to collect my entire family's clothing. And I can create this very simple system that allows me to take one load of laundry all the way through in a given day, instead of having half done piles of laundry everywhere or not being able to find your kid's favorite pair of socks in the morning or whatever the case may be. So it's partially stuff and getting that under control and then developing that system that supports 
that amount of stuff that you can handle. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that perspective and such powerful questions. What are we able to handle? What is our capacity to handle it? And then you had said first simplify the volume and then simplify the system. So that sounds simple enough. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I know you want to share. I feel like this is a perfect segue too, because you had talked a little bit about some some biblical perspective or biblical mindset on the simplicity and decluttering minimalism in a sense. And in talking about simplicity, I feel like this is like a perfect segue. So do you want to tell us about what God has shown you in his word that has to do with this whole topic? Yeah, definitely. I think that the biggest mindset shift for me has been one from scarcity to one of abundance. And sometimes people might laugh. They're like abundance. I have plenty of abundance. I have way too much stuff in my house. Like, what are you talking about? But the scarcity mindset is kind of what we have been, at least in the United States, culturally conditioned to have. It's kind of comes from this lack or we don't have enough Um, that's what advertisements are for to convince us that we are not enough as we are. And so we need to buy a certain thing and also our self-worth instead of coming from this inherent sense of, I am a child of God and I am loved and I am worthy. Our self-worth is determined by performance. We're constantly comparing ourselves when we have this scarcity mentality. Um, our security is found more in our belongings, our roles, what you know that says about us. And so we are clinging to our stuff and our roles and what you know the world is saying about us, essentially, instead of what God is saying about us. And I always say you can't receive what God has for you. If you are holding tightly to your stuff, you need to have those open hands of surrender, right? So the first verse that has been really foundational for me is John 10, 10. Um, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or to the full. I, I know some translations say, so that is what God has for us is this abundant life and not one where we are saying, oh, well, you know, Sasha is taking her kids to whatever soccer camp. So I have to do that too, because that's what makes me a good mom or whatever. It's starting with that, you know, abundance. Would you like me to go on to the next one? Or do I feel like you have a, you're nodding your head vigorously. So I think you might have a response on that one. Yeah. So John 10, 10 is my like life verse. (laughs) So it's so perfect that you brought that up. We've talked about it a lot here. Actually, last year, October 10th, we celebrate that as John 10, 10 day in our home because of that. Like, it's just such an important verse to me. And so it was, I came out with a podcast episode that day and just super fun. But I think too, you know, my business is called Intentional Abundance Co. And my program is Intentionally Abundant Motherhood. And I feel like for a long time, people who came into my circle were like abundance. Oh, like I was talking about nice cars and multiple homes and all the stuff. Right. But that abundance that God talks about when we go to scripture is so much different. You know, he does talk about an abundance of flocks and, um, and fields and cattle and whatever else. Right. There are times in scripture that he talks about that, but he talks about an abundance of his steadfast love and, and so much more, greater things than these 
physical, earthly, tangible things. And so I think it's so interesting that you're talking about this scarcity versus abundance mindset. But when people think of abundance, they think of their things in abundance, right? But we're talking about less things <laughs> that and, and how the scarcity mindset is what brings about those things. And so super powerful. Uh, keep going, please. Okay. <laughs> the other thing is that when you have this sense of abundance in your life, you are generous with what you have and what is excess of what you need. And you're also grateful for what you have been given. And so those are some of the other kind of hallmarks of that. And there's a couple other scriptures that go back to this scarcity versus abundance mentality, which is God as our provider, right? That we're not relying on our own strength to have that provision. It comes from God. And so one of those is Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Um, and I won't read the entire thing, but about, you know, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink nor about your body, what will you put on? And so the thing of course is, but seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, right? So if we're seeing God as our provider, and then when we're thinking, oh, I might want to hold on to that because someday I might need it in some aspirational future that will probably never come, then being able to open our hands and say, but God is going to provide for me. And so I can let this go to bless somebody else instead of holding tightly. So that would be one of the other scriptures. And the last one I'll get to real quick here is the Exodus 16, 15 to 21 about um, the Israelites and the manna was being provided. Moses is kind of explaining, you know, what it is and what it's for. And then also there's this concept of not letting any of it stay until morning. And I know this is shocking to everyone, but the Israelites didn't listen. <laughs> Seems to be what happens a lot, right? And so they gathered it, but anything that was in excess, it bred worms, it stank, you know, it melted. And, and so just thinking, okay, why are we amassing all of this excess that we don't need? Because it is not serving us. And that's not what we're called to do. And when we talk a little bit about the science, it actually has a negative impact on our health and well-being. So if we have sort of this like um, mana mindset, as I'd like to say, it's that we have kind of what is enough, what God is providing for us, but the excess needs to be either not gathered in the first place or then just let go or else it, you know, breeds worms and we don't want that in our life, right? <laughs> right. Wow. That's so powerful. I would say I'm definitely have been known to be one of those people that says, well, we might need this one day. You know, we have this um, fallacy, I guess, that we believe <laughs> that um, I might need this one day. But then like stacked on top of that is this mindset of like, well, yeah, every time I go looking for that shirt or that drinks pitcher or whatever it was, you go looking for it. It's the thing that you got rid of that you said, I'm not going to keep holding on to this. Right. And so I think that builds this pile of evidence in us that, that we cling to this. I might need this one day. Um, and so I love that everything that you're saying. And if we do need something, God's going to provide it. If we actually need it, right? Like God will make it happen. And so I love that God is our provider. Um, seek first is, is such a powerful uh, verse and passage for me. And it's been very, very prevalent in my life the last six months. So uh, 
it's so great that you brought that up. And I love this manna mindset that you're talking about. And I think about too, you know, he tells them never to collect more than what they need. And like you said, because it will spoil and breed worms and whatever else. But then on this, when the Sabbath is coming, he does tell them, you know, collect enough for the Sabbath because you're not supposed to collect it. I'm not going to bring it that day. Right. And then, and it gets them by with exactly what they need. So super, super powerful. You mentioned uh, in this about some of the science behind it. Like what does clutter do to us? I know what it does to me. Like I know I feel different. I can't think I'm anxious whenever I look around my house and it's just like, there's stuff everywhere and it's cluttered. Like my parents love them to death are like the master clutter people. And I am like, it just produces so much anxiety in me. And so I know I've recognized that for me, but like, what is, what does science have to say kind of generally for all of us in a space like that? Wow, wow, wow. Emily dropped some goodness on us today with those scripture verses, her testimony on how simplicity became part of her life. Come back tomorrow as she dives into some of the science behind clutter, how it makes us feel, but then also gives us some practical tips on how to go about getting started decluttering our space and creating a simple life.